0: Falcons fans, how are we feeling was uh is tonight a little bit better than Monday morning? yeah, just time to heal all wounds? Is that kind of the deal man i I was feeling for you guys, all right I was pulling for the Falcons, and um, man what a what a brutal loss, so my heart goes out to you guys. I was wanting to see. Kind of a, a big win and everything it 's not like todd 's pity moment or any of that kind of stuff, um, but I know for for a lot of you guys, man when it was twenty eight to three and we 're having visions of down, you know a parade, a Super Bowl parade in downtown Atlanta, seeing another you know championship coming to the city, the first in falcons' history i mean i 'm sure if you, i was I was envisioning that and i 'm not really even a Falcons fan, so I can imagine that some of you guys were and so really just as, as kind of that fourth quarter happened and the rest of the game just happened. Um, it really was a, a, just kind of a good lesson in, man, when we have expectations and these great things that we feel like are going to happen and, and then sometimes they just don't line up with reality. And, and in those moments when that happens, like how upsetting it is, how disappointing we are, even, even angry. And, um, and I thought, man, that's, that's true of a lot of areas. I mean, it's not just in a football game when our team loses and we expect them to win. It's true in so many ways when our expectations and things that we want to see happen, and then there's reality. And when there's a gap between the two, when those two things don't line up, man, there is, you know, resentment and anger and disappointment and all of those kind of emotions that we feel. And listen to me over here. If we're not careful, then that same thing could happen when it comes to our relationships. And so it really comes down to us looking at expectations, all right? And that's kind of what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes tonight, of just expectations. Because the truth for us is, I don't know for, for you ladies, all right? What's, um, what is it, when you think about your future marriage one day, what is it that you, what expectations do you have? And you don't have to answer. Like, this is just rhetorical questions that you get to ponder, for all of us, like when you think about what expectations do you have for a dating relationship that maybe you're in right now, or maybe you're not in, but you're looking to be in, and then your future, or whatever? Or what expectations do you have for friendships in your life? What expectations do you have set up for marriage one day, if that's a part of your future? Like what are those expectations? What what does that look like? So again, for you, ladies, um, more so than the guys, ladies. Maybe for some of you, and you've been dreaming about the wedding day for since you were a little girl. All right, you've dre- got all dolled up as a little girl, and you know you envision like you know the princess coming down the aisle in your wedding dress, and you know how beautiful you were going to look, and what that day was going to be, and it was just going to be this magical experience. Or you envisioned you know, what that guy was going to look like who's waiting for you at the altar and how cute he is or, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Or you think about, maybe you've, maybe for some of you, you've already got your wedding, you know what your wedding dress looks like. And I'm not going to ask you to show your hands right now. Or maybe you've picked details out about your wedding. Like you already are looking through bridal magazines and you're like, yep, that's it. That's the color or that's what I want here. or Those are the, what the flowers look like. Or, and, and you kind of have this picture in your mind. Or maybe for, for all of us, we have, as we think about marriage one day, like we, we already kind of have these ideas, these expectations of what the wedding itself is going to look like or bigger picture, what our marriage is going to look like. And it could be, again, just like the football game, it could be lined up with reality and what actually happens. Um, or if we're not careful, if we have some unfair expectations or some expectations that don't line up with what reality is, then it could actually breed a lot of the same feelings, a lot of resentment, a lot of anger, a lot of disappointment. So maybe for our wedding, again, ladies, we think, man, my, my um, marriage one day is going to be, you know, walks on the beach by morning. And then in the afternoon, it's going to be, you know, he's going to snuggle with me on the couch and we're going to watch chick flicks all day. And then at night, he's going to give me back massage and shoulder massages and rub my feet because that's what I really want at the end of a long day when I've walked the beach and watched chick flicks. And maybe that's kind of what we envision. And in all honesty, some of us have, guys and ladies, we have some of these kind of a fairy tale, kind of this almost this Disney idea of what marriage and wedding is going to look like and maybe if we're not careful we set some unfair expectations some things that don't really happen. So, in fact, I've done some some premarital counseling with some couples and who are about to get married and here's some of the expectations that they walk into or are about to walk into their marriage feeling, all right? And maybe you can identify with some of these. They had the expectation that we should live happily ever after with no major problems. Or The expectation that most of the issues that we have now in our relationship will fade after we get married. That marriage will kind of solve some of the the disagreements or the issues that we have. Or we think my spouse will meet all of my needs for companionship. Or in order to have a great marriage, love is all we really need. Or even there's the expectation that it's better to keep silent about something that's bothering me than to cause unnecessary problems in our relationship. Now, maybe you've identified with some of those. You go, I I don't really feel like that's that bad of an expectation. Like, I agree with that. I, I, I feel that. But understand that all of these are expectations that are unrealistic. And there's others that we could add to that. And the problem is, when people enter into a relationship with some of these expectations... That are unrealistic. It's guaranteed for them to feel let down, to feel disappointed, and even to feel angry. And a perfect example of what I'm talking about is the beginning of the marriage between Mike and Jennifer Marblestone. So I want you guys to take just a minute and watch this video. Man, such a uh, such a great story, and I love just. To see how far they've come. And to now be able to experience marriage the way that God designed it. To experience God's best in that marriage. But they didn't get there overnight. And it started off rocky. And I I love some of the the things that they said. I mean, Jennifer even said the fancy that I had made up in my head of what a marriage would look like. That because of those unrealistic expectations that, that they had both, but especially her, had come into the relationship with... That's why it was so rocky at, at the beginning. And even for Michael to say at the end, when you set expectations for your spouse that they need to meet to be happy, then it's destined to fail. And so understand me, tonight as, as we're talking in the next few minutes just about expectations, expectations can be a really beneficial thing for relationship. They can be healthy, they can be helpful. It is a good thing to have those expectations. But you've also got to make sure that they are realistic. And it's got to be something that is shared. Those are shared expectations that you and that person that you're in a relationship with have talked through and you're on the same page with, that there's clarity involved in order for you to experience any kind of marriage or relationship um, that can be the best that it can be. And so here's what I want to do over the next few minutes is just give you three expectations. Just kind of maybe recalibrate, reset some of the expectations that maybe we go into that are unrealistic and, and, and try to set a more clear understanding and realistic expectation that we should have. All right? So here's the first expectation. That we should enter in any relationship that we're in. It's not just marriage, friendships now, relationship with your parents, any of this. The first expectation is we seek grace, not perfection. We have an expectation of grace, not perfection. So Angie and I had only been married like a month. All right, and one night she had, had just finished cleaning up the apartment, and so I walk into the bedroom, and I was holding a magazine in my hand, and I walk over to the side of the room, and I just drop the magazine on the floor next to the dresser. And as I drop the magazine on the floor, I hear this voice that says, what are you doing? And I kind of glance over at her and look back, and I'm like, I just dropped the magazine. magazine. I just finished reading that I just put it on the ground. That's not where that goes. And in that moment, we both, she in her mind is thinking, what have I gotten myself into? This man is a slob. And in my head, I'm thinking, what have I gotten myself into? This woman is a neat freak. And both of us in that moment, not for the first time, but had a real clear understanding that we are not going to be able to expect perfection from each other. It's just not going to happen. So many of our relationships that we're in, we have an expectation of perfection. See, the reason that I said last week that marriage is the most beautiful and incredible yet difficult relationship all at the same time is because you're taking two flawed people and you're joining them together. And you're asking them to live their life in relationship with each other. And you've got different interests and you've got different personalities and you are guaranteed to have struggles. There are going to be bumps in the road. But it especially becomes impossible in any relationship when two imperfect people expect the other person to be perfect. It's just not going to work. But ironically, here's the crazy thing about so many relationships that we enter into We expect and want grace for ourselves, but we're asking for perfection from the other person. In other words, we're all about forgiveness when we know that we need it. Like, we want to be forgiven. If we're going to make a mistake, like, we want to, to make sure that grace is extended to us. But we're not often willing to do it to other people, or at least not to the same extent that we want it for ourselves. And look, this is true of any relationship. How often, think about this in your life, how often have you cut off a friendship because the other person made a mistake or hurt you? Now look, ladies, I'm not picking on you right now, but I've seen this especially with ladies over the years of you know, you watch for a period of time these two girls that are inseparable, and they're BFFs and it's, you know, just this great picture or whatever. And then all of a sudden they're brutal enemies. And you're like, "Hey, what happened? What's the deal?" And somewhere along the line, someone made a mistake or there were multiple mistakes that were made, and there was an unwillingness to extend grace in those mistakes. And I'm not trying to minimize you know, what people say to us or the hurt that they cause us or whatever, but we're, we're, we're guilty. All of us are guilty in friendships and relationships of quickly cutting people off or out of our lives because they fall short of the standard that we're trying to hold them to. A Todd message wouldn't be complete without a Paul David Tripp quotes, all right? So here you go. Here's what he says in New Morning Mercies. He says, We celebrate God's mercy, but we scream at our children when they mess up. We sing of amazing grace, but we punish our spouse with silence when they offend us. We praise God for his love, but we forsake a friendship because someone has been momentarily disloyal. We're thankful that we've been forgiven, but we say that a person who is suffering the result of his decisions is getting what he deserves. We bask in God's grace. But we throw the law at others. We're simply not that good at mercy because we tend to see ourselves as more deserving than the poor and needy. I don't know how that hits you, but I think for a lot of us, if we're to evaluate the relationships that we're in, we have a standard of perfection that we expect from the other person in that relationship. And no matter how great that relationship is, no matter how great that person is, or how much we feel like they'll never let us down, or they'll never fall short, the truth is, if we're imperfect people, and all of us are, we're gonna make mistakes. And in every relationship that we're in, we've gotta be willing to extend grace. Giving and receiving forgiveness is an indication of a healthy relationship. Like sometimes we feel like, man, if I you know, forgive that person, then that's a sign of weakness. You know, I want, I want to look, come across as tough or whatever. And so we don't understand that that's really a, 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 um, an indication of maturity, of a healthy relationship. That saying I'm sorry and showing grace to each other is a sign of strength. And honestly, no relationship will last without it. And it all comes back to our understanding. Our relationships that we're in on this earth, no matter what they are, they were designed and created to be a reflection of our relationship with our creator. And so if we are unwilling to extend forgiveness, then a lot of times what that means is that we don't fully understand how much we've been forgiven. See, the more you and I come to grips with the fact that we fall so far short of God's standard, that we are imperfect people that are in a relationship with a perfect God. And because of Jesus' death on the cross, because we've been forgiven, and that relationship has been restored, then God extends his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness to us on a consistent basis. All right, we can say daily, but it's moment by moment we need God's grace and God's forgiveness. And the more we understand that, like the more we start to begin to to realize, all right, God, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner, and you forgive me every single day. Then the more willing we are to extend that out into the relationships that we're in with other people. It's a reflection of our own understanding and of our need for God's mercy and God's forgiveness. We always have to remember as, as um, John Newton, the guy that wrote Amazing Grace said, he says, I am a great sinner and Christ is a great savior. And if we're able to view our, our human relationships through the lens of how God has forgiven and restored us and wants to have that relationship with us, then we're gonna be much more willing to extend grace rather than expect forgiveness or expect perfection here's the second expectation sacrifice not selfishness now this this right here is one of the biggest barriers to healthy relationships because let's face it we're we're self selfish people all right all right i don't want to cast any stones here i'm a selfish person I would imagine that you've got some selfishness in your life too. I'm a selfish person. We are selfless people. We often look at relationships for what we can get out of it, how it can make us happy, and what that person can do for us. Now, you want to quickly evaluate just the relationships in your life. Just think about the relationships that you're in. How many of those relationships, and in those relationships, how much time and energy... Do you focus on working and doing you know, things in that relationship for your own benefit? How much time and effort is self-seeking? How much focus do you have on the things that that other person can do to make you happy or to benefit you? Because so many of our relationships are based in selfishness. And I promise you, mark my words, a relationship will not last if you've got both people that are self-seeking. Now it can potentially last if you've got one person that's self-seeking and the other person is selfless. But it's not going to be healthy. But if you've got two people in a relationship who both focus on serving each other rather than expecting to be served. Then it will be a healthy, thriving relationship. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. He commands us, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now, in, my, in, uh, in Angie's marriage, I am, honestly, the, I am the selfish one. All right, my wife is the most unselfish person on the planet. She is an incredible picture of servanthood and sacrificing for her family. It is amazing. I mean, just this morning, I was taking the kids to school and started the coffee pot and was going to come back on the way to the to gym and work to grab my coffee. And so by the time I had gone and taken the kids to school and, and come back by the house, she had made m- me a smoothie. And had sat it by my coffee pot and just gave it to me. Hey, have a great day, sweetie. I'm like, all I would have thought about if that was me and my situation is grab my coffee and get out of here. Love you, honey. See you later. And she is looking and always does such a great job of this, of looking for those moments to serve me and serve her family. And in those moments when I can get my head out of my rear end and focus on serving her as well, then it is a beautiful picture of what a relationship can look like when we are both striving to serve each other first and focus on each other's needs rather than being self-seeking. So it may mean that we've got to recalibrate a lot of our relationships and rather than being self-seeking and what can you do to benefit me in this relationship, we start looking at those relationships as opportunities to serve the other person. Here's the third one: communication, not manipulation. So I don't know if, if you guys are, are like me, you're probably not because I'm old and you're not. But like in elementary school, all right, when when I was thinking about I wanted to date a girl or what you know go out with a girl, or whatever that look, whatever you did in elementary school, and you had kind of those awkward moments where you you were you were dating a girl that you never talked to. Like, you never had any form of communication whatsoever. So, like, even when you were asking her, like, hey, do you like me, circle yes or no, or, you know, whatever that looked like. And you slid across the table, and she circled yes and slid it back to you, and there was no, like, verbal communication whatsoever. And so then you're telling all your friends, hey, yeah, that's my girlfriend. You know, we're, we're going out, and it's pretty cool. She's awesome. And, and yet you don't have any conversation whatsoever. And then you pass each other in the hallway, and it's like that awkward moment where you're passing each other, and so you kind of look the other way. You don't make eye contact. But then you're telling everybody, hey, yeah, that's my girlfriend, you know? Am am I the only moron here? How many of you guys had relationships like that? Okay, thank you. I'm not an idiot. So that was me. Now, here's the sad thing, all right? We mature as adults, and then we get into these, these relationships. And the sad thing is, in a lot of ways, our communication skills never improve from that. It might be slightly less awkward. We may know how to have, you know, carry on a, a general conversation. But there's not good communication. One of the main reasons that people get divorced nowadays is because of poor communication. So we fail to communicate when it comes to our feelings. Or the desires that we have. Or the needs that we have. Or you know, what we think about a situation. We fail to communicate in those moments. Or when there is conflict, we don't communicate in a healthy way to resolve it. Instead, what so many of us do is, rather than being communicators, we're manipulators. So we try to manipulate people. We play all these mind games in relationships. We make assumptions all the time without actually having a conversation with that person. We take advantage of people's emotions and we often use people to get our way. And it goes back again to that selfishness thing. Because at the heart of it, good manipulators are concerned only with what is best for them. But if we become good communicators, our concerns are more about the other person in that relationship. Now, I promise you, like when I'm talking to couples or whatever, like this is hands down the number one issue like this is the thing that we'll spend time talking about or focusing on or whatever because and i speak from experience because if angie and i are having an, a, an argument or a spat or a disagreement or whatever 95 percent of the time it's because of poor communication i didn't communicate to her about my schedule and then all of a sudden it's like wait i can't be there tonight i, I told you that i had no you didn't tell me well, i thought i told you and it's poor communication and we're not on the same page. And then there's an argument there. Or we fail to communicate when we, don't, we just don't make time to talk and to listen to each other and understand what that person is feeling or what that situation is looking like or to be able to connect on, a, on an emotional level in, the, in that way. Or she doesn't communicate her feelings sometimes because I should just know. Right? been using this a lot tonight. So which kind of is a side note for you ladies, all right? Men are idiots. Okay? We are stupid stupid creatures. And no matter how much you think we should just know, we don't know. All right? Maybe we should know, but we don't know. All right? So we need you to not just communicate, we need you to over communicate to make it crystal clear, to smack us on the head and say, hey, moron, this is what I think about this. Guys, we're no better. We often, you know, we're the ones that don't want to communicate in a relationship. We don't want to open up. We don't want to share our feelings. We don't want to share the things that we struggle with. We don't want to share our fears or any of that kind of stuff. That leaves us vulnerable, and vulnerable is bad. And so we just kind of, we, we, Kind of close off that part, and we've got a kind of a semi shallow relationship with that girl, and that you know, or, or whatever that relationship looks like, and we just don't communicate because we don't think it's manly to communicate. And we just need to man up and understand that good communication is an important part of relationship. In Amos 3 3, it says, Can two people walk together without agreeing on a direction? So if we're asked if if marriage is a part of our lives or even no matter what relationship you're in with a friend with a parent whatever that looks like for us to be in a relationship together to walk through life together without understanding the direction and being on the same page in terms of the direction without communicating and so the challenge for us is to focus on communication not manipulation So to summarize it all up tonight, we can experience healthy relationships when we set expectations that are committed to grace, to sacrifice, and to good communication. What expectations do you have for your relationships? Are they realistic expectations? Do you need to kind of readjust or, or think through that and go, you know what? That's probably either A, that's not a realistic expectation to begin with, or I've got to make sure that I communicate better in this relationship so that we're on the same page. But if we will set clear expectations for any relationship that we're in, then we will experience God's best in the relationships that we're in now and also in those future relationships that will exist down the road. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your love tonight. God, we thank you for allowing us to have the time to be able to meet with you. And God, I, I pray that we're not walking out of this room on Wednesday nights going, yeah, I mean, I don't know, that was, that was all right. I saw a couple friends and didn't really get much out of it. God, I pray every single week we walk out of here saying, man, I met with God. I was able to lift up the name of Jesus. I was able to remind myself of God's faithfulness, of God's goodness. I was challenged to love God more, to to maybe adjust some things in my life so that I can walk out of here more in love with Jesus. God, I pray that that's the case for us. God, I pray that the relationships that we're in now and relationships that we'll be in down the road, God, I pray that we would be willing to set clear expectations. God, that we would begin in our relationships that we're in to model the grace that you have shown us. God, that maybe with friendships that we've cut off because a mistake was made, God, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to go and to, to reestablish those relationships, to offer forgiveness, to represent who you are and what you're all about. God, I pray that we would, rather than being self-seeking and selfish, God, I pray that we would sacrifice in relationships that we're in, that we would focus more on the needs of other people than we do our own. And God, I pray that we would just communicate with each other. God, that we would share how we're feeling or what we're thinking about, or God, that we would speak words of life and encouragement into each other so that we can build each other up to be more like you. God, thank you for your grace and your patience with us. God, help us in the relationships that we're in to honor you and to be more like you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.